welcome and thank you. We're thrilled to have uh, everybody join us today. Uh, Tech Tuesday is a scheduled video panel discussion that we turn into a podcast. We have some great panelists here today. Um, and sometimes, you know, staying on top is just harder than getting there. Um, we've all seen companies go from startup success, but often have they been able to sustain that or not get there? So we're going to start with our panelists, introduce themselves. Uh, my name is Steve Edwards. I'm the CEO of Premier Virtual. We are a startup that is here in Delray Beach, Florida, uh, but we've been uh, around in business for 10 years as we switched over our business model two years ago to virtual. And here we are now uh, in 2021 where virtual is the new norm. So let's start with uh, Kristen Gallup. From she's a marketing manager at UPG Johnson Controls and involved a lot in women in HVAC. Kristen, can you give us a quick, a quick little introduction of yourself? Sure, Steve. Thanks for having me. I am an innovative marketing professional who helps HVAC contractors grow their business. I've spent, gosh, the last 14 years in various marketing and operations roles with several Fortune, Fortune 500 companies. So thanks for having me, Steve. All right. Thank you. Welcome. Next up, uh, Barry. Can you? He is an entrepreneur, four-time author, and a corporate coach. Gary, can you give a, Barry? Can you give us a quick little intro? Quick intro. Started out as a, an educator, uh, became a school principal, became a, a teacher at Santa Fe Community College, then at the University of Florida, and then I gave that all up to enter the business world. A long time ago, my partners and I built a very, very successful $75 million company that we sold in 1978. Since then, what I do is I, I do my best to inspire and empower others to reach their full potentials, whether they're individuals or companies. All right. Well, welcome. We have one more panelist that will be joining. She's not logged in yet, but uh, Joy McAdams is an entrepreneur, an Ironman, and an on online influencer. So let's get started. You know, let's start with uh, Kristen. Um, but, you know, obviously with all of the questions, I want the panelists to be able to be open, kind of talk about them as well. Uh, jo um, you know, Kristen, what role does brand identity and corporate culture play in hiring decisions? It plays a huge role. So it's not just about the monetary job or the financial benefits of the company culture is it, it really has become a deciding factor for many candidates right when you think about companies with strong brand identities um, and welcoming a corporate culture helps to attract and retain top talent so candidates who are looking for companies that are progressive and they display understandings of the organization's core values and their vision during the interview process are probably more likely to be long-term employees. So, um, but I would say the biggest thing is your employees, your best brand ambassadors, right? They go all in on the corporate culture and they extol those virtues of the organization in all their encounters. So when you think about a corporation and their culture and how costly attrition can be, it's really vital to have your organization's company culture um, seen in a positive, healthy, um, and clearly communicated um, light as part of your hiring strategy. Yeah, I would say, I would jump in and I would say, Kristen, I, everything that you said is spot on. 
you know, when I think about it, when I see corporate culture, I look at it as a reflection of what the organization actually stands for. It's sort of a voice for your business. And, and in today's world, it isn't just whether a candidate can come on board and do a job, it's whether or not they fit in with that culture that's been created. And a strong, positive culture, certainly, as you were saying, you have a, a much greater chance of retention. And Most wouldn't you say, Barry, though, that it's, it's, it's a constant evolution, right? Like as you're, as you're you know, forming these cultures, it's forever changing. I would hope so, because, you know, back in the day when my partners and I were building a business, that was back when people would think about a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, and, but that has changed dramatically. I, I think that, that in today's world, it's, it's all about change. Um, Jack Welsh once said this a long time ago, that, that whatever got you to where you are today, that's not enough to keep you there. And so I agree with you. And, and just like companies have to be agile and shift, I think that the culture also has to be agile and shift. I think that we've gone from the industrial revolution to now it should all, I, I think any corporate culture, positive corporate culture has to be about humanity. It has to have a strong why as to why those people wanna work there, why they are working there, what they can do to contribute so I'm 100% agreement with you. It's always changing. You know, I, I think the same thing, you know, and it was actually another thing I want to talk about is workforce culture. And we kind of got to that a little early, but, you know, how do you think a, a company can build their brand and build their culture? Um, because we know so many organizations struggle with that. What do you think, you know, I'll kind of throw it to you first, Barry, you know, how do you think um, a company can, can create those two things? Well, let's start with this. And, and it starts with the top, okay? What's the vision, the values of that person that has started this company? And then when you take it from there, it's, you know, an, an A leader in a company is either a man or a woman, and they have this incredible vision, but they also have the ability to articulate that vision so powerfully that everybody on the team gets the same vision. And so I think it's strongly, it's about trust, it's about humanity, it's about communication, it, it's about collaboration. And it's, and it's, as Kristen said, it's about being agile and being ready to change because things change as you go. But definitely to me, corporate culture starts from the top. Yeah, and how important um, do you think it is to be ranked in a top place to work for? Well, I'll jump in and tell you that companies that have been voted best places to work outperform people in their industries on average of 20 plus percent. So, I mean, I'm one of these guys that loves all the good stuff, but I also like bottom line stuff. And when we talk about 20% increase in productivity and in, in customer satisfaction, in, in money that is returned to the stakeholders, not specifically just the shareholders, then oftentimes companies get, I think, they lose sight of who they should really be working with and for. It's about the stakeholders. It's about all the employees that work with you. It's about all of your customers. If you take care of all of those stakeholders, then you don't even have to worry about the shareholders. 
because the shareholders are going to get that return on their investment because you're taking care of the stakeholders. I love that. Taking care of the stakeholders takes care of the shareholders. All right. 100%. <laughs> I'm stealing that line, Barry. I, I love that. <laughs> you may. You know, we, we talk about that a lot here. And, you know, when my business partner and I, when we built this organization, you know, when we went through, you know, back in 2018, we were a company that put on in-person job fairs. So we were doing that for nine years and we were very successful at it. We loved it, but things were changing in the world. So we had to kind of look at something and, you know, we switched our business model from in-person to doing virtual events. And then we switched our business model again back in 2019 to instead of putting on events to license our software. So it was two big uh, changes, but we went from a very small organization to now we have 30 on our team here and culture was very important to me, right? And the brand identity was out there and, you know, we've tried to build a culture and, you know, you talked about it very from top down is, you know, kind of, you know, our vision, my vision, Gary's vision down to everybody that we hire uh, in, in, you know, just in the interviewing process that we have and we built a new office uh, here in Delray. And, you know, the first thing I did is I ripped out the conference room and I put a gym in there. So we have a beautiful gym. So when people come in, if they want to work out, they can work out, right? Then we, then we went in and we built a beautiful shower in there. So now if people want to come in early, they want to stay late. It's just little things that we have. Um, you know, and I mentioned the thing about, you know, working for, and you get a lot of these, right, emails out there about, you know, different things to be involved with. Well, uh, Florida Trend Magazine, we just got ranked as a, one of the top 100 places to work for. We were number 16 in Florida to work for. And that was very important to us because, you know, the surveys that our team got ranked us where we were at. Um, so we feel that, you know, as the recruiting, our brand identity and being able to um, have that culture fit um, is very important to just us individually. So I'm glad to hear kind of what Kristen and Barry, what you both said is, is kind of my mindset as well. So. And Steve, when you think about how many hours you spend at your job, you spend in some instances more time at your job than you do with your family. And so that's why it's super important to have that that positive culture. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, take COVID, political, religious, people have different thoughts about everything out there. But when they come in here, they come in here to work, right? And they come in here to have fun. And, you know, it's, it's one of these things that I look at it and, you know, and I, I heard this the other day um, from the uh, manager at my HOA. And he's like, you know, people in our community they have different beliefs and they do not like each other. But the one thing that they all have in common is that they want their houses to value to go up. And I kind of look at that when he told me that I said, you know, that's kind of the same mindset at, at work too, is you can have different beliefs and everything. But when our team comes in here, they have one goal. And, and our number one goal is to make our clients happy. You know, Barry, you talked about stakeholders and, and, I believe as you make your clients happy, you never have to sell, you know, and we do so much for our organizations that are our clients as well, um, because that's such a key, key thing. Like you talked about stakeholders and everything. in here. So Steve, I'd love to throw something in there. Look, I love what you're doing for your employees. The fact that they have a gym that you put a shower in, that's a great benefit, but I will tell you those, those added little benefits, 
in the long run, that's not what's going to keep people there. It's not going to be the ping pong tables, the foosball tables, the snack bar, the showers, the gyms. It's going to be how we treat the people that work with us. It's going to be about what we accept in the workplace because as leaders of companies, as managers, if you want to have a great company culture, people need to know what your values are. If you don't ever state what your values, you're really not telling them what the why is. Why are you doing things the way you do it? Why do you believe the things that you're doing? Why should we do things this way? Why it matters what we do? You know, too often people hire a new employee and they tell them, here's what your job is. Instead of telling them, here's what your job is, here's how you do your job and we're going to help you if you have any challenges along the way. Here's why doing your job right has a huge impact. I mean, look at your company, 30 people, each person on your team. The reason it's one of the main reasons that what they do is a why is because they're not just responsible for them. They're responsible for the other 29 people in their families that work with you. And then, of course, I think that in businesses, we always have to understand that no matter what there's, we have to measure the execution of the plan. And, and Kristen, I would love your feedback on this because I've always had a philosophy in my, in my companies because I learned a lesson the really hard way is that sometimes we have somebody on our team and I'm gonna give you my example. We had somebody that was our number one salesperson in the United States. This person, unfortunately, created a really nasty habit of abusing substances. And so this person would show up at work every day and they do a great job for four hours, then they would pass out. And I would have this conversation with my partners that this doesn't go along with our values. This, has, this doesn't go along with who we say, what we are, and my partner's going, no, you can't fire her, you can't fire her. Well, I, we tried to get her help, we offered counseling, all that never worked out. Long story short, we let her go, even though she was our number one salesperson, and our sales skyrocketed after she was gone. So it's, we have to understand that the people that we hire, 95% of our success are who those people and as leaders in creating a corporate culture, we have to make sure that we are living that culture, those values that we profess to have in our business. Because if we don't, the employees see through it. And if you look at the statistics, 64% of employees feel that their companies don't have a good corporate culture. And when you don't have a good, cor- good corporate culture, what is the bottom line to everybody else in the company? Well, basically it's about 34, the cost of a disengaged employee is 34% of their salary. So having a a culture where you take care of people, you promote the people, you value the people, you tell them what they need to do, how to do it, why they're doing it and measure what they do. You end up having a culture that survives and thrives. Rather, it's all these things, not just those little perks of like a shower, a gym and all that. So I just share that with you. That's my experience. You're, you're 100% right. I mean, it's, it's more than that. You know, those are, those are little small things out there. Uh, but it's, you know, getting the people together, getting people respect each other as well. So there's so much more than just a gym. You're absolutely, you're 100% right. Joy, welcome. Um, Joy, if... Uh, can you give a quick little 30 second uh, intro to who Joy is? 
Sure. And I was excited about the gym. I thought that was awesome. That's great that you guys do that because I think it shows um, that you care about, you know, the advancement and the growth of your employees. So, um, you know, there's so many, so many great points here that Barry made as well. So anyway, but yeah, I'm Joy McAdams. I'm not sure what happened when I was supposed to log on here. Um, but I, um, I work in the field of medical. That's my business. I help um, achieve a growth mindset for medical practices um, to help them grow, um, increase their patient volume uh, and all that type of thing. And tech is a big part of, you know, making, giving them that patient satisfaction as well. Um, I'm also an Ironman competitor. So really big on the endurance and, and pushing your body and mind to continue to grow. So all of that wrapped together. I, I love stressing the growth mindset. So before we get into anything else, just tell me, Joy, what's it like to train for an Ironman? Um, it's, it's challenging. Um, it's challenging because it's you against you and, uh, it's, it's really you against your mind. And so much of that has translated over to helping me as I've grown physically, as I've grown mentally, it's helped me professionally as well. Uh, because that same grit determination, um, you know, pushing through the pain that we've all faced, you know, in building a business, um, you know, facing the struggles, especially that COVID through our ways, it all, you know, it all comes together if you can, you know, put that in yourself and, and nothing challenges you more than physical. You can't, you can't escape that. You have to step up to the plate. I, I love that, right? You against your mind. Uh, you know, I, I say people every morning, you have a choice. You wake up and you have a choice. Are you going to, you know, work hard or are you going to be lazy? And I think people have choices to be able to do that. So uh, great to hear that. You know, um, Joy, quick question. How do you make it relevant to different generations in one workplace? Uh, being willing to be encouraged that, that diversity and the curiosity and the, the different perspectives, I think, like, like we were saying, you know, the growth mindset has to come from the top. And if you have someone at the top that is set in their ways and is not open to this next generation um, and their ideas and their ways of doing things, there's going to be an issue. I know it's more than one word, but it's, I, I think, just encouraging that, that diversity in thinking and thinking and, you know, approaches. And Barry, you're very, you know, you talked a lot about, you know, workplace culture. You know, what do you think is the number one thing that an organization, I'm going to ask all three of you this, is the number one thing an organization can do to create a great workplace culture? Well, just one thing. I'm going to go with psychological safety for the people that work there. Okay. Let's dig into that a little bit. Tell the, tell the, uh, the audience out there. What do you mean by that and, and how would they do that? People, I believe, want to be in a place where they're not going to be bullied, they're not going to be shut down, where they can trust the leaders, where the company's values and the people that work there have integrity. And, and I may have, I don't know if I said it, but I'll say it again, honesty is key transparency, communication, collaboration. So when you have psychological safety, leaders in the company are making it a place, a safe place for the people that work with them to be able to speak 
not just to the leaders, but to anybody in the company, that, that they're respected for who they are, what their contributions are, and they understand that there's not just one way to do things. You know, the worst thing that a company can say is that's not how we do things here, okay? Because if that's your mindset, and I know that Joy is great on this mindset, and by the way, Joy, you jumped in just a little bit after. I'm all for gyms in the workplace. <laughs> I, I had one in my business. I just... I'm just saying that's not all we need to have great company culture, but mindset's what it's all about. And, and I think we have to create a place where we invite, we inspire, we empower people to speak up, to feel safe, to say and try things, to be willing to make mistakes as long as we learn from them. You know, anybody and everybody makes mistakes. It's whether we learn from them. If you make the same mistake over and over again, that's a choice. All right, but everybody makes a mistake. And so I think psychological safety to me is the key to creating an amazing company culture where people literally feel safe where they work and they trust you. Oh, uh, that is great feedback. Thank you for going a little bit more into detail. You know, and to touch on what you said um, previous to that, you know, getting rid of the top salesperson. How difficult was that when you had to make that decision? Well, going back to the psychological safety, it becomes, it becomes a thing of if you have this one salesperson, one person on the sales team out of 21 salespeople, and this person's coming in every day and passing out because of the drugs that she abused the day before, or the night before, what is the message that I'm sending to the other 20 salespeople? What's the message that I'm saying about our values that we stand for, our guiding principles that we stand for? And, and so was it difficult? Yes, because my partners, all they saw was the money that this person was bringing in. And my view of it was, it's my job to do everything that I can do to help this person. But if they refuse to accept that help, I mean, we offered for her to go check herself in for three months, her job will still be there, we'll still pay her. She wouldn't take it because she said, I don't have a problem. My belief is that every company has a bad apple in it. Sorry, okay, but I do believe every company. And, and they're, very, they're well hidden, these bad apples. And they're people that really don't believe in the company culture, the company values, the why of the company. And they, behind the scenes, are trying to get people to see things the way that they do. Allowing somebody that's passing out of their desk every day and doing nothing about it was a very bad message to send. So in the end, it was a very easy decision. Gotcha. And, and, and that's why I wanted to tie it back into what you said about the psychological safety. You know, it seems like, you know, you're, you're catering towards the one person, that top sales rep. And I think every organization goes through that and, you know, they, they have it, but you're affecting all of these other people. And what happened as soon as you let that person go, your sales went up because now you're protecting those other people that are out there and you're doing the right thing for everybody else. So Kristen, what about you? What do you think the one thing that you would say that could help organizations um, improve their workforce culture? So my first one was safe environment as well. So Barry, thanks for covering that. But I would say the second thing is listening and seeking to understand because I think a lot of times employees voice their concerns or they're trying to understand the culture 
and they ask questions. And depending on where somebody's emotional intelligence is or the lens in which they're interpreting what somebody's saying, I think that there's sometimes a breakdown in communication. So it's asking the right questions to make sure that you understand what those challenges are and how they can help form that culture and work through those challenges. Love it. Okay, now you said, right, listen and, and seek to understand. And we know the way that people can be talked to, different generational uh, ages, we'll say. How do you think where, you know, I don't say if it's right or wrong, right? I, I have people that work for me that are all ages, right? From, from 21 years old up to mid 50s. So to me, that doesn't matter. I listen to everybody. But a lot of organizations have a challenge with millennials and Gen Zs that come in and say, you have to do it my way. Yeah. How do you think an, an organization can work with the different aspects of the age and still be able to listen, seek to understand and build a good culture? Yeah, so I think it's about embracing the differences because you've got baby boomers, the Gen Zers, the Gen Xers, the millennials. And like you said, they all communicate in a different manner. And so I think it's, it, I think it's, you need to take a look at the employees as in, individuals. And I think, you know, uh, fostering your communications to kind of curtail to how they interpret things or how they, you know, how they communicate helps with shifting their mindset, right? So you're not going to attack, you know, you're not going to attack communication with a millennial the same way you would with a baby boomer, because again, they're interpreting it from a different, a different lens. I see that in the way that I can talk to my development team and the way that I can talk to my sales team. I have to talk two completely different ways. To and them. sometimes so you, it's tone, right? Sometimes yeah. it's tone or how you ask a question and it's the way they interpret it. Like if you're, you're questioning how they're doing something or maybe there's a, a better avenue to, in which they should do it. I think, again, it goes back to understanding your audience and how they communicate and sometimes curtailing that message so that they understand um, what needs to be executed. Wow, great. Understanding the audience, I think that is, uh, is, is key. So Joy, what do you think the one number one thing is to kind of improve the workplace culture? I absolutely would say flexibility. And I think that is something that, um, you know, could big way. Uh, you know, full and when you see that healthy collaboration, because there's no such thing as balance, but a healthy collaboration between their work, family, life, and health, they are going to be so much happier. They're going to be so much more productive. And ask any mom. I mean, she would be more than willing to work an extra hour or two if it means she has the flexibility to be at that school meeting, to be at that school field trip. Um, you know, that type of thing. They'll bend over backwards if they know that they can be at those things that that are important. And it just makes for such, you know, so much more productivity because you, you know that, you know, like we were saying from the top that they, it also has psychological benefits, big ones, um, you know, as, as Barry referenced. So I think that for me would be one of the biggest ones. Okay. You know, I'm going to go completely off topic right here because you mentioned, right? Like I know my wife wants to be there for everything for my kids and stuff like that. And, you know, she'll do exactly that. 
uh, remote work, in office or hybrid? What are you seeing out there and what do you see as kind of the future of that? I think I really like the hybrid because you still need to be able to come back together. There's nothing like face to face. There's nothing like that team, you know, having that team and, and, you know, even zoom can't quite capture that. We just recently had a, a, a conference for one of my clients and just to be face to face, there's a huge difference, even though we've been doing zoom calls, you know, for months now, but I think a hybrid's a, a good balance of that. Love that you said that kind of leads in, um, you know, Barry, you've, you've owned some companies, you sold the company, you know, you sold the, your original company in 1978 before Zoom was around, but how do you see Zoom um, as building a, a culture? Can Zoom, can you build a culture around Zoom and those type of virtual events? Uh, this is sort of a trick question, isn't it, Steve, right? <laughs> So if That's I, what I'm here for. I'm not here if, for the softball. If, if I take my magic crystal ball, what I'll say, first of all, I, I'm in agreement with what Joy said. I, I think that's sort of a blend, you know, where there's people can work from home as well as be in the office. I think we have a natural tendency as human beings to like that interaction face to face with other human beings. I, I look at my wife who works for this major corporation and she's been working from home now for well over a year and a half. And she works longer hours than she did when she went to the office, you know? So if you were dedicated, but, but I think there would be great relief for her if there were those days where she, one or two days, three days a week where she's in the office and she has that human interaction. So what do I think about Zoom for, for creating cultures? I think it takes a lot, it's gonna take a lot of work from leadership to make that work. And I, I think what I mean by that is that it's not just assigning to people what they need to do, but I think it's also making sure that you're giving people the chance to express their challenges. I, I have this big belief, whether it's in your office or whether you are virtual, I believe that what leaders need to do is they have to have these, what I like to call impact meetings. And, and the managers in each department, so if you had a manager of sales, that, that manager should have a 10 minute to 15 minute meeting with each of his team, whether it's virtual or in person, every week, find out what their victories are find out what their challenges are, find out what they're gonna focus on for this next week. And, and when we can create that, and then each of those managers then reports to the VP or the, or the CEO of the company, I think that there needs to be, if you're gonna create a culture that's strong, that's partial virtual or all virtual, there needs to be more of this one-on-one, -on -one, not just these group team meetings. Great, great point. And, and you know, I think that, you know, organizations are seeing that and, and a lot of people are going hybrid. You know, when, when COVID hit with us, I went, I sent everybody home immediately. Okay, go home, work from home. Some people made it, some people didn't, right? Some people wanted to lay in the couch all day and, and you know, lay in bed. Those are not people that are going to be successful wherever they're at because they chose not to be there. And now, you know, we try to have the Zoom, you know, a happy hour. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, I actually had them go on. I, I partnered two people up that normally wouldn't be together because they're different, you know, different backgrounds. I partnered them up together to build a murder mystery on our platform. 
So it wasn't something that was just the, hey, let's all have drinks and ask questions and tell stories. It's doing something together and bonding more because it's very difficult when you have a remote workforce and some people are not in the state. So I think that it's a good and a bad thing. I'm a face-to-face guy. If you would have asked me five years ago, Steve, would you be running a tech company that runs virtual events? I'm like, no, I like to be face-to-face. I like to be one-on-one having those conversations, but you had to change with it. So I think that you can use Zoom. I don't think it's the greatest thing out there. You know, and even on the trade show side, I'll say it, there's certain trade shows that are better in person. But how, with everything that's going on out there, how do you make that into a hybrid aspect? And again, it starts with the workplace, um, people wanting to be there. So uh, Kristen, or actually, you know what, did I ask, Kristen, did I ask you yours? No, yes, I did. I did. Sorry. I, I, I got to talk it and I missed where my, where my question was. Okay. Um, we'll start with, let's start with Barry on this one. Can a growth mindset within a company, right? Cause you have different from sales, development, marketing, all this, can a growth mindset cause division within an organization? Or is there a possibility to be able to leverage it to unify and really get the team to work together? The simple answer to this is that every department in a company, you you should hope and pray that they all have a growth mindset. If it creates a little bit of uh, competitive nature or a divisive thing, that's leadership has to find ways to make them find a way to work together, to hear ideas, to share ideas. But you want everybody. The, the thing that, that troubled me the most from COVID were the clients that engaged me and all they wanted to do was survive. And the first thing I said to them is, look, survival mode, I can already tell you the outcome. You should always be in success mode. If that means that you have to pivot, do something different, and focus on how do we succeed even in this. Look, I understand it may be tough for a restaurant where they no longer can be open without clients, but I'm talking about corporations that are running or people that are solo entrepreneurs that have a few uh, employees with them. I think that what you have to be doing is is always be focused on a growth mindset. And that means when, when, pardon my language, but when the shit hits the fan, Let's not go into survival mode because survival mode means we're just barely going to get by. Let's figure out how we stay in success mode. How do we shift? Because shift happens. If you put enough pressure on people, the shift will happen. And what we want to do is we want to get people to shift. All right. So these are the challenges. What do we do? What are the possible solutions? Too often what happens in companies People get stuck in the condemn, criticize, complain, oh, that damn COVID, oh, you know, so-and-so, this and that. That gets you nowhere. Condemn, criticize, complain gets you nowhere. Yes, you should identify challenges, but you have to be a solution-oriented company. And, and a long answer to your thing is, look, I think every department has to be growth mindset charged. They, they just have to always be thinking, how do we invent a better mousetrap? If it ain't broke, break it. <laughs> uh, I like that. Um, now, do you, going off of that, do you have your teams work together? 
on a growth plan or and, and bring it to the leadership? Or do you ever put, you know, all of the teams together, maybe one or two people from each one of the teams and say, where are we going next? Well, for me in the past, because we, you know, we had 450 employees in Miami, 3000 in South America. The idea was obviously I couldn't put them all together, but that's up, you know, that's up to the managers in each area to get that feedback, to have the collaboration with the people that work with them on the team, take the best of the information, bring the managers together, and then we would all get together as, as leadership teams to discuss the different ways that we can grow the business. You know, what does production say that we can do to make things better? What does logistics say that we can do? What does sales say that we can do? What does marketing say that we can do? What, what are the strategies, the solutions that people think of? And then what you do is you take all these solutions and you figure out, okay, which one or which two are going to be the ones that we are all going to accept and move forward on. All right, great. Thank you. Kristen, how do you create an engaging experience in the workplace that are not cliche and, and raise inspiration within the teams? Yeah, so I think you want to select activities that appeal to your employees so that they can take ownership and strengthen their commitment to the organization and their team members, right? Because everybody is a stakeholder in the organization. And so I think, um, you know, not using your typical buzzwords, because we do in culture, um, or, you know, organizations that folk focus on culture, you know, have their specific buzzwords. And sometimes those buzzwords do not resonate with employees. And that takes them further from the culture that you're trying to build within the organization. And do you get that, like, have a team that kind of builds some of that stuff? Or is it more of, you know, the leaders choose what they're going to do? How, how does, how do you work that? Actually, um, within Johnson Controls, they've really been focusing on our organizational health and every single facet that ties into culture. And so there was a there was a company wide initiative to um, look at videos and do some team collaboration. And then each team was responsible for picking three different um, goals that they wanted to focus in 2021. And so. I mean, it was a huge asset because we started talking about things that we don't necessarily talk about and that cross collaboration in making sure that we were more of, of a united front. I, I, I love that. Getting the I teams to work, uh, you know, to work together to uh, find the goals. All right. Joy, what happens if you fall short of budget? How do you uh, take that to the team and how does that affect them? I mean, initially it's so important how you take it to the team because the last thing you want to do is demoralize them. Um, I think the first thing you need to do is, is as the leader is look at yourself, where did you fall short? You know, like how did you possibly fall short? Did they not have the materials they needed? Did they not have the information they needed? Uh, because it's it's definitely a team effort. So, you know, I think so much of it is if you go into the meeting and you begin with recognizing maybe things you could have done better, that definitely will make the conversation, uh, you know, go a lot smoother because you're not just sitting there pointing the finger and, and like, you know, we've referenced you, you know, we're a team. So we, we rise and we fall as a team. 
Absolutely. Now you talked about looking as a leader saying, where did you fall short? Do you go in and say, Hey, here's how I failed first, or here's how I fell short. Or do you say, here's what happened and then go in. How do you approach that? Yeah. I mean, I would go in with, you know, this is the thing, as I look back, this is what I could have done better. You know, like for me, um, it would be our patient volume, right? So when our patient volume starts to fall, um, I have, you know, I create teams for these practices to be out there to, um, you know, to create this patient volume so that it continues to grow. So, you know, I have to look at, you know, what I didn't communicate to my team wise, you know, maybe they didn't have the materials or we didn't address certain things that we needed, um, you know, to create the need for, for, for our office. And so, yeah, absolutely. I would, I would definitely start where we're with IFL and then go into, you know, as, as you break down the teams, um, you know, where they fell short. Steve, can I, can I throw something? Yeah, absolutely, Barry, please. I, I think for Joy, spot on. I love what you're saying, Joy. It's excellent. And, and a tool that perhaps people can use is I always believe that even if it's a great quarter or a bad quarter, I think that at the end of a quarter, we should be asking our team members, right? All the stakeholders, our managers, and, and us as leaders, we should be saying that, that at the end of that quarter, whether we were up or down, Based upon this past quarter, what should we do more of? What did we learn from that that we should do more of? Second question, what should we do less of? What are the things that we did, but we didn't need to do them in such excess, okay? The third question is, what should we start doing? What ideas or concepts do we have that we came up with that starting in this next quarter, these are things that we are definitely gonna do. And a fourth question that we should ask ourselves, is what should we stop? So when you get everybody on in the company involved in responding to including the leadership all the way up to the CEO, what should we have, what, should we, what did we learn from this? What should we do more of, less of, start, stop? I think that companies will continue to have this growth mindset and continue to look for ways that they can improve quarter on top of quarter on top of quarter. Great advice. You know, I, I think from all of you today, we got some great advice, uh, Kristen, Joy, Barry, you know, with everything. And, and we know right now, workforce, uh, workplace culture is huge and everybody's trying to, you know, get better and they're trying to, find the little things is it is it meetings is it a you know a jump rope competition where somebody always takes second and they, they want to get the first and they're trying over and over and over to try to to try to beat there is it is it sales is it marketing is it development you know i think it's just important to be able to really get everybody uh involved and you know i, I try to do that with my organization and i think you know from what i heard with you guys uh, you guys have all really embrace that as well. Um, so before we end here today, uh, is there any last thing, uh, you know, we'll start with you, Kristen, uh, any last thing that you would like to tell the audience out there about workplace culture, branding, anything out there of, of that they need to know from you as the expert? Yeah, I think one of the most important things throughout this, you know, fostering a positive corporate culture is really taking a cultural audit on, you know, from your stakeholders, right? 
telling, you know, asking them for feedback on, you know, your company's per purpose, right? And how are, how can we help you inspire and excite and engage employees and create meaningful differentiation um, from our competitors? All right. Thank you, Kristen. You know, joy, same thing, right? We want to keep a killer workplace, right? We want growth, culture mindset. What's one thing that this audience needs to hear from joy? Um, just to continue, like I said, I mean, there's a few things. Definitely, and, you know, encourage that individuality. You know, the, the quirkiness that we all have is what we all need. You know, it's like a bag of M&Ms. The colorful M&Ms are all different colors. Don't try to make everybody be the exact same way because we need that, you know, we need that, that difference. And then, you know, the, the flexibility and then, you know, just also encourage that curiosity. Uh, one of the biggest things I, I'll, I'll tell you real quickly in healthcare is the, you know, there's different levels of positions and the, the top, top positions, when we show them new procedure videos, they are so open and looking and, oh, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could do that different. But if you show it to lower level physicians, they walk away thinking, oh, I already know everything. And there's a huge difference between, you know, our top, top positions and our second tier physicians and how they see things. And same with leadership. The, the, you know, the billionaires that I know, they are so curious when I talk to them or they hear something, they have so many questions that we, we have to inspire that curiosity, um, you know, within our, our employees. Love that. Thank you. And, and Barry, you know, with you too, is, you know, the growth mindset, the culture, what's one thing that the audience needs to hear from you? Well, my one thing is going to be three and I'll make them quick. It's people must be at the center. It's all about the humanity. That's the first thing. The second thing is this thing that I call Wubadava. And Wubadava is just a nonsensical word that I made up that means that cultures have to have fun. You have to have a culture that's fun. And the last thing is that from the growth mindset point of view, I think we all have to remember that if the rate of change outside of our organization is greater than the rate of change inside our organization, the end is near. Wow. You know, I want to thank all you, you know, the three of you again. I, I, you know, we do these webinars on a monthly basis as we're kind of switching over and, and you know, we've kind of moved more, you know, up until a few months ago, a lot of these uh, were my clients, uh, people that were on our platform because we were trying to help our current organizations how to get better. Um, you know, in, in a couple months ago, we switched to having, you know, outside panels that were experts in their field. Uh, and, and I can tell you the notes that I took off of this today were phenomenal. I can't wait to put them in an order that I can actually read all these. Uh, but from all three of you, I appreciate that. I learned a lot today. So I'm hoping our audience and everybody that watches this learned a lot today. So, you know, thank you, uh, Barry, Kristen, and Joy. And everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you, Kristen, Joy, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night.